For those of you who are here for the first time, uh, feel, you know, be at rest, be at peace. This is a loving church. Uh, the people here are friendly, right? <laughs> yeah, that's not the question. Uh, and also, after the service, we usually have a time of fellowship. So there's some tables outside if you like the heat, so you can hang out or have food later on. And we'll also have some tables and chairs set up there at the back if you want to fellowship also and you want you know, air conditioning, so it's up to you. But right after the service, right after this, uh, I encourage you to come, go to the back of the area. We're going to baptize a person later on. I'm going to introduce to you after the service whom we're going to baptize as well. And, and so just to let you know what's coming up next. Okay, let's go back to the passage later on. <laughs> Here, okay. So I want to share a little bit about our our church history, just a little before the sermon. And you know, we started back in June of 2012, and this was actually the very first service. I, I I'm not in the picture, but of course you can see my brother there. Ariel is there, <laughs> doing the same thing <laughs> today. There at the back. So uh, yeah, we met we met at a youth room in a church that's across the street, Oak Meadow, and they. Uh, by, by you know graciously allowed us to use that venue for four years. So we've been meeting in that we met at this venue for four years. You know many of those who were there were actually from that other church. So and of course them some of them didn't really come back because they were they were committed to other church. They just supported our ministry when we started. Uh, some but but you can see at the Loida there <laughs> if, you have, if you have a telescopic eye. <laughs> There's at the Loida there, and she was part. She was part of the those who were there, um, and so we started that year. But this was not really our official church start because this was just a trial run. Uh, but but I would say that was our beginning. So officially, uh, oh, this was the place where we met. We called it the upper room because it was actually called the upper room <laughs> because it's not on this. It was on the second floor. So what was the reason why we ended up moving later on to another place because. A few times when we were there, the elevator would not open up and someone's inside. I think we had to call 911 twice. <laughs> so in the middle of the sermon, there are paramed officers saying, what's going on? Well, somebody got stuck in the elevator. <laughs> so it happened twice. So we decided, okay, this is not going to be good. People are going to be stuck in the elevator often. And I praise God I hope that God has blessed us and this church has that we were meeting at. Uh, really helped us start as a church. The pastor was very supportive to our ministry, and he was a very uh, uh, he was a very good encourager to me and to all of us. Uh, pastor Gilbert Chavez, uh, he founded that church, by the way, Oak Meadow. You know that he was the, he's the founding pastor of the church across the street. Uh, if you drive along I-35, yeah. Uh, and this was a year later, and this was my ordination. And officially, I think this was the official time the church started because. This was the time when we would say, okay, this is really a Christian church. We were uh, recognized by Southern Baptists, so we decided to uh, uh, associate ourselves with the Southern Baptists because uh, before we even started the church, we were associated with these pastors. I knew them before we even started the church. I don't know if Dr. Kim is there. It's probably up there. I think this, that's not Dr. Kim. But we were part of, a, of an organization of pastors, Asian pastors organization, and you know that before the church started, we were already leading worship in that organization. We would go to their uh, uh, annual retreats and events, and they would invite myself, Ariel, you know, I think Arnold. Arnold, where are you, Arnold? 
Arnold is here, Irwin's cousin, Irwin and Dorella. And as a family, uh, they were part of the band. I don't know if Sheila sang in the band as well. Yeah? Okay. So we were a family band. And, and, and we would invite, they would invite us to lead worship in that uh, pastor's event. That was even way back in 2008. So we were going there every year. And we also started our own Bible study in the house because uh, we wanted to have our own Bible study, of course. Uh, and Suzette started attending, and Leo and Kayla. Kayla was this small back then. <laughs> and, and, and so every time I go there, they would always call me pastor. I said, I'm not a pastor. The pastors that would call me pastor, but I'm not a pastor. But 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 during the time, I think it was God's, uh, you know, pro it was prophetic in a way. But lo and behold, eventually, those pastors were part of that Asian ministries. Yeah, uh, that's Pastor Gilbert at the end there. So uh, they're the ones who encouraged me and us. And that's how the church started. It was really through the help of all these pastors uh, who, who was supportive of us. Uh, and they become one of my closest friends as well, uh, especially this this guy, that guy uh, Pastor Walton. He's the pa pastor of a Chinese church, and Pastor Gilbert is a pastor of Mexican church, and Pastor Charles, which is not in the picture, he's a pastor of a Korean church. So we're really a very uh, multi-ethnic group, <laughs> and also another uh, Vietnamese pastor, uh, Tu Wen, Tu Wen Wen. So we were like uh, very close. And he, I was telling them, hey, uh, why are you calling me pastor? I'm not a pastor. Then, then, then Walton would tell me, Al, oh, you do the work with a pastor. You talk like a duck. You speak like a duck. You are a duck. <laughs> so so that's, what, that's what he told me. I said, okay, therefore I'm a duck. So, so, so eventually I was ordained. And that's around this time we got officially uh, become part of Southern Baptist. And that was... A year later, so officially we are eight years old. <laughs> officially, <laughs> and and so that was the short history of the church, and we continued to meet on another place. But the second place we met got burned, and I, there was a message from God there, but it was not for us. <laughs> it was not for us. You know, you know, reason why we got our insurance a week earlier. Yeah, renters insurance just a week earlier, and they were we got everything back. I mean, they paid for everything we lost. So, so it was not the message was not for us. It's for someone else. <laughs> but but then God opened the way for us to be here, and uh, the pastor here, Pastor George, he encouraged us to use this place. So now we're here. It's been I don't know four years here, right? Seventeen. Who has good memory here? I think it was 2017. Was it 2017? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think we're around four years here, because, or more than four years. Five. Okay. You know. Okay. Good. You have a good memory, kid here. So, so today I want to share. I entitled this the main things for River Life Church, and you know how are we gonna? Uh, how how did we? Uh, what did we do in the past and how we're going to move forward as a church and what are the main things of this ministry and I'm going to tell my testimony as well as a believer so that you'll get to know Pastor Al a little bit better uh, there's more but I can only say so much in the limited time I have so, so I'm going to give you three things it will be based on our vision as a church 
We're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about fellowship. We're going to talk about uh, discipleship. And I'm going to talk about service. So the four things that we as a church, we really value, you know, the gospel, the preaching of the gospel, evangelism, uh, the value, we value fellowship. You've heard the story of Clay. You've heard the story of Deloida. That we really, fellowship is not a side thing in this church. It's a major, major thing because I truly believe fellowship is really part of the, you know, the essentials of your Christian faith. We also, uh, our heart is really into discipleship and also everyone in the church is expected to serve, not just the pastor, everyone. First of all, we're gospel-centered. So let me tell you my, my story as a believer. Now, uh, becoming a Christian, I pray that all of you understand this already, has always been a response, response to an invitation. It's a response to an invitation. When one can't be born, born into Christianity, one can't inherit Christianity. You cannot inherit Christianity, you cannot be born into Christianity. While being part of a church like our church, River Life, is vital, essential to your spiritual life, uh, a person cannot become a Christian by just signing his name and say, I'm going to be a member of River Life. That's not how a person becomes a Christian, right? If you, if you become a member of River Life and pretty much that's it, then that does not make you a Christian. Christianity has always been by invitation. By whom? By God himself. Through his grace. He is the one who invites you. In fact, as a believer, now that you are a Christian, it was God who put that desire in your heart to begin with. He invites you into himself into his kingdom, he is the one also who is going to put the desire in your heart. Without God doing this both, without him inviting you, and without him putting the desire in your heart, you remain lost. You remain an outsider to Christianity. The church does not make sense to you, the Bible doesn't make sense to you, well, everything we do here does not make sense to you at all. It's just a waste of time, at least in your thinking. You know, when Jesus called his first disciples, imagine the very first few disciples of Jesus, Jesus, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. This is what he said. Come and follow me. Right? It's an invitation. It's an invitation. So, so let me talk about my, my story as a believer. You know, my, me, myself, uh, myself, my brother there, Ariel, and Anne, she's with the Sunday school. Ariel is with the media. We grew up in a Christian home. Uh, both of our parents were leaders in a local church. And of course, since they're leaders, we were at church at, in church a few times each week. We read the Bible, memorized verses, learned to pray since we were toddlers. I know uh, Derek and his kids can attest to this, right? They, they probably memorized the Bible when they, uh, they probably <laughs> memorized verses when they were two years old, right? Or three, maybe? Yeah, you know, memorize, recite, I'm not saying memorize the entire Bible, but <laughs> recite verses, right? Uh, so we recited verses when we were very young, toddlers. In fact, I don't have memory of this. I was supposed to have a picture, but the scan didn't look good. It will really date me. I was even the very first, I think I might have been the very first Jesus in our church play. I think I was one year old when I was Jesus in that play. So, so... So think about our upbringing. We were in church all the time. My parents were leaders. We had family devotions, read the Bible, memorized scripture as a kid, learned how to pray as kids. 
Even with his upbringing, I was an outsider. I was an outsider. And this reached to a breaking point in my teenage years. I, was, I think I was 14 or 15. I told my mom, and my mom <laughs> reminded me of this just recently. I told her, Mom, what's the point of going to church? What's the point of going to church? To me, church was a waste of time. And Sunday, it was a battle because I didn't want to go to church. So what's the point? For me, I, I don't see any value in church. And so there are not days when they would just, I think there were days that they would just leave me home because I didn't want to go. And I would just hang out with the dog. And it was okay with me. In our house, when no one is in our house back then, my dad would close all the windows. It's dark. <laughs> and and they, were, they were at church. But I had to go because my parents, uh, she's going to do something like this. I don't know if she did something like that. <laughs> um, if there was a motivation for me back then to go to church, it was probably because my friends were there and because of a certain girl, certain girls, <laughs> potlucks, uh, after lunch picnics, you know, some Wanga is very, is, there's a nice beaches there. So after church, the normal activity for us, we don't go to our side yards or have potluck inside those rooms. No, we go to the beach after the service. Most of, your mem- most of my mem- members go to the beach. So we're all the ch- after church, we're all at the beach. <laughs> and that was fun. I liked that. And I liked the crafts at Sunday school. But, but certainly I didn't like the sermon. Now, the sermon didn't really... <laughs> uh, it wasn't the reason why I went to church. But there was another re- situation in my life during those teenage years. I was, I was sick with a lung disease. I will not say what kind of disease is it, is it but I, I was sick with it twice and it became very uh, serious to the point that there were nights I thought I would not survive if my mom didn't think quickly or didn't have the wisdom to help me because I would be choking at night and not be able to breathe and, and it was a terrible lung disease. I suffered with it for almost four entire high school, entire high school. Even in my first year of college, I still suffered with it. And almost died, I believe, in those times because it was, it's not the disease you can just, you know, uh, take lightly. And I would try to read the Bible at night because even as a teenager, I was well aware of my mortality. I was aware of, my, of death, even as a teen, because of my sickness, part of it. And I was hoping that when I read the Bible, I was reading Romans, I remember, I would find relief, I would find answers, but the problem is I didn't understand the Bible. I would, you know, in the Philippines we have mosquitero, mosquito nets, so because we don't have aircon back then, <laughs> so we sleep and the mosquiteros here and we do the like this and read it while lying down. But by God's grace, on my last year of high school, by God's grace, goodness and mercy, Christ invited me into his kingdom, invited me to come and follow him. And I accepted his invitation. My life and thinking began to change since that day when Christ invited me, since I accepted his invitation. In my last year of high school, I was 16. I was among a few students who were not allowed to join the religion class. Uh, in the Philippines, there's religion class, by the way, in public school. It's part of, sometimes it's an extracurricular thing. I think in our case, it was extracurricular. And 
we were not allowed to join because uh, we were disruptive. Um, and uh, we would just hang out at the corridors. The, the, some students were sort of, they're not the kind of students they want in the religion class. And so while we were hanging out, you know, there's this uh, college student who went to our principal, high school principal, and asked if he, she could, he could uh, lead Bible study on these students that are just, you know, pakalat-kalat lang sa corridor. And on our first meeting, this college student, his name was Norman, he shared the gospel. And it was the very first time the gospel was personally explained to me in a way that I also understood. It was the very first time. And these are the few things I understood back then. That I was a sinner, lost, destined to spend eternity in hell. And I did not experience or know the love of God. I didn't know His purpose. I didn't know His will. And I needed God's salvation. I needed Christ. That's what He said in His, and when He shared to me. I needed Christ. That God, because of His great love for me and the world, He sent His one, only, one and only Son, offering me forgiveness by paying the price for my sin, dying on the cross, and that He gave me new life through His resurrection. It was a very simple uh, sharing uh, uh, of the gospel. But these are the things that I got even back then. That I need to believe in this in Jesus by fully trusting Him as my Lord, that He paid for my sin, and to confess Him and follow Him. Fully trusting Him as my Savior, and that I, He paid for my sin and confess Him as my personal Lord. And so those are the things I got. I didn't fully understand everything Norman said, but with limited, with the limited knowledge and with limited knowledge I have and limited understanding with whatever I, or I knew back then, I accepted Christ, accepted the message. I believed the message. I think it was the first time I understood John 3.16. I memorized this since we were kids, but I didn't really get the point of this passage until that day. It says here, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. Whoever be, whosoever believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. I memorized the King James Version of that back then. God loved us so much He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. You know, when Norman shared that gospel message, that was the gospel message, by the way, he shared to me. If you don't know what the gospel is, that, that was the gospel. It was a message, I felt that it was Christ inviting me into his kingdom. Al, I'm inviting you into myself, into my kingdom. And with my limited understanding, but I understood what I was committing to, I trusted Christ as my Savior that day, my Lord and Savior that day. I was in high school. Last few, it wasn't the last few months in high, in high school. And since the time, changes began to happen in my life. The changes were not instantaneous. They were gradual over the course of a few months. There was now a longing for God's Word. I, I wanted to read the Bible. Even though I don't understand fully the Bible, I began to have the desire to read the Bible. Um, the, word, the verses that I used to memorize, I, have, I gained understanding on those verses. And that fear that I had, fear of death, I was gone. I was gone. I, I thought to myself, Lord, if you're going to take me right now, I'm ready. I was so overflowed. When you talk about the first love, I experienced that. First love in, in the Lord. I experienced that. 
I was overflowing with joy, overflowing with confidence in the Lord that <laughs> even in the jeepney, you know, in the Philippines, there are jeepneys there and you travel when we go home from church. I, we will be praising the Lord in the midst, inside the jeepney and there's lots of people there. <laughs> and even in the streets, we will be shouting, praise the Lord. And people, and you're in the crowd. We didn't really care. I was with my cousin during those years. He also accepted Christ, both of us, around the time. And and there and many more changes. We began to share. The, I began to share my faith with my uh, fellow church youth at, at my at my parents' church, the church we grew up in. I began to share the, my faith there. Uh, the, what I know, what I know about God, what I know about Christ. In fact, I began attending two churches during the time. Two churches because I was hungry. Now, what did I learn from this experience? I know the biggest one, of course gospel salvation that's main thing but what I learned also from that experience with the church I grew up in though the church of my parents were very good at many things they did not keep the main thing the main thing they did not make the main thing the main thing and many churches do this they're very good at many things Kids know David and Goliath, Daniel and the lion, the lion's den. You, you, we studied Revelation as kids. We, uh, we learned different kinds of Bible study methods. We talked about the spiritual disciplines, reading the Bible, praying, sharing your faith, fellowship. The disciples cross. We even studied that when we were kids. But did you know that I never heard the gospel preached to me, shared to me in the church even once? Never heard the gospel spoken to me, even once. That is why I was not a Christian. Because you can never be a Christian by just, you know, hanging out in church and, and just, you know, doing churchy stuff. You become a Christian by hearing understanding the gospel, understanding what you're committing to, understanding what Jesus did on the cross on your behalf, and what you need to commit to. Listen to what Paul said. It's one of my favorite verses in scripture. Oh, sorry. I think I got the wrong slide there. Sorry. I think I didn't put it there, but that's okay. I'm going to read this to you. This is in Romans 1, 16 and 17. Just open your Bible. I think I forgot to put it on the slide. This is what Paul says here. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the, to the Jew first, then also to the Greek. For in it a righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. It says here that what is the singular message that brings salvation to people? Believe in Jesus? No. Believe that God exists? No. Go to church? No. Read your Bible? Go. Pray? No. Fellowship with Christians? No. Do good things? No. Did you know that just saying, I believe in Jesus, does not save you. There's a specific message that God wants you to believe, a very specific message, and it is the gospel. For it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. It is the message that brings salvation. 
It is a righteousness that is given to you as a gift by God when you trust Him, when you trust the message by faith, when you trust Christ by faith. And, 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 and so, to understand the gospel, you, it's important to know that there's also good news because you cannot appreciate the good news without knowing the bad news. Gospel means good news, but you need to understand also the bad news. You know, it's like, it's much like, you know, taking your willingness to take a medication, but if you do not know, you do not know that you are sick. You know, if you do not know you're, you're sick, you're not willing to take medication to heal you, right? And this passage tells you both the good news and the, the bad news and the good news. The bad news is that you are a sinner for the wages of sin is there. What you're going to get for your sin is death. That is the bad news. But the good news is but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That there is a way out to your situation, to your predicament. It is what Jesus did on our behalf. Gospel specifically demands you to trust him that he paid for your sins on the cross, paying for all your sins. And it demands also that you surrender your life to him, follow him as your Lord and Savior. And so as a church, this is this is at the center of our ministry. The gospel is the center of our ministry. So the, the challenge for each of you, if you're a believer. Have you already responded? I, I hope you have already responded the, mess, the, the, the invitation of Christ to come and follow me. I hope that you already responded to that if you say you're a believer. But if you are not a believer in Christ, how are you going to respond to that invitation of Jesus? Come and follow me. How are you going to respond to that? Consider that invitation. Now, this is the first thing on the, on, this, on the back sheet listed of what you value as a church. We as a church, we're gospel-centered. We believe that the gospel is Jesus himself and what he has done. It is through faith in him alone we are saved. We believe whenever we share the gospel, it must always be in grace and love and in truth. We resolve to make Jesus Christ, the gospel, his glory at the center of everything we do as a church. We resolve to know the gospel by heart and courageously making it known to others. We want to be a gospel. We've been a gospel. This, this has been our desire. This is our mission. This is our vision. We've been this way. We're not perfect, but this is where we used to be as a church in the past nine years. And I pray in the next nine years, we will be the same. And we'll be a gospel-centered church. We're going we're gonna to continue to mention, discuss, preach the gospel in the sermons. It is the first topic in your one-on-one -on -one discipleship. It is... One of the things we talk about in our, in our live groups as well. In fact, it is the first, usually the first topics there among many other things. But, but we always go back to it. We always go back to the gospel as often. So that's the first thing as a church. And, and the last three things I want to tell you, hopefully I can go through this quickly now. Second one is we are friends with one another. I, I would like to use this statement because Jesus also called us friends. And God called Abraham friends. We're also friends of God. You know, uh, after I became a believer, I became part of a church that, uh, that was very close to one another. The members are very close to one another. There were more than 120 people in the church. And, we, uh, and that church was mostly students. And we literally met almost every day. 
We met almost every day in the church. And sometimes in the morning and even in the evening. And that made a huge difference in my walk with God. You know, prior to attending the church, I was going to different churches for a while. In fact, I went to big churches and I was languishing. I was, I was crawling as a Christian. But since I started joining the church where people cared for one another, loved one another, very close to one another, it really made an impact. And I was amazed that in that church, there was no water boy in the church. There was no people in the sidelines. Everyone was sharing the gospel. Everyone was leading discipleship. Everyone was leading life group. Everyone was involved. Sadly, in our churches today, there's lots of water boys. There's lots of people. They're just contented sitting in church every Sunday. And that's it. Did you know the Christian life was not meant to be like that? If your Christianity is just church every Sunday, then you don't know what it means to follow Jesus. Because a Christian life is a moment-by-moment moment thing. It's a daily thing. And this is, what, this is what saddened me. When we moved to the U.S., we went going to different churches. In fact, we go to big churches. One of it is in South Austin, 3,000 members. One of the best sermons was there. Praise and worship had a 100-member choir. There was an orchestra. Now, what can top that in terms of worship and preaching? Preaching had a very guapo pa yung pastor. Very good preacher. Amazing visuals, everything. But you know, after I leave the church every Sunday, I'm sad, depressed. I wasn't growing as a Christian. I was stagnant. What's wrong? Everything in the church was perfect, big. Lots of ministries. But I was not preaching the word. I was not sharing my faith. I was living in sin. What was missing? Church was not meant to be a place you go every Sunday. We can exist as a church as Christians without Sunday. Did you know that? Because it's not centered on Sunday. Church is not centered on Sunday. This is just a new thing. The church is centered where? In the community of believers. That is the heart of the church. What are the greatest commandments in scripture? Meet every Sunday. This is the will of God. Wrong. Meet for Bible study. This is the will of God. That's just all these are just extra. Sunday is just an extra. What's the heart of the of the ministry? Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. Among believers, it's loving one another the way Christ loves you. Clay gave us a verse earlier. What's Clay, right? Give us a verse. Okay, still remember. <laughs> and this is really the heart of the church. Now imagine going to a church and, and, and it's really the relationship with God and relationship with one another. It's not the activities in itself. Now imagine you go to a church and you don't know anyone, which is what you're experiencing in many churches. You don't know anyone in the church. You just sit there, look at all the people, listen to the sermon, sing a few songs, then you go home. We were going to this huge church, 3,000 maybe members. But it will take only 10 minutes to empty that place after the service. Or maybe 15, maybe. Gone. I don't think that's the kind of church that God wants us to be. This is not what biblical church is. It's very far from biblical church. Very far. To the point, I don't think that's even a church. 
Because this is how, how are you going to commit to this command? Are you going to obey this command if you don't know anyone there? If you don't care for anyone there? I would not die for someone I do not know. If I'm, even if I'm sitting with that guy and I'll just say, peace be with you, hello, how are you? See you next Sunday, okay, bye-bye. I will not die for that person. I will not give my life for that person. I will not sacrifice my life for that person. Because I do not know him. You would do this if that person becomes like family to you. If, you be, if that person becomes your friend, if you love him, care for him, for her, know her very well, know him very well. That is the reason why we have meals in the church. That is why we have life groups. That's why we have one-on-one Bible studies because it's not just to study the Bible. It's not just to learn more about God and Christ. It's for you to develop those friendships, to, to, to grow those friendships so that you come to a point in your Christian life that you're willing to sacrifice your life for that person the way Christ sacrificed his life for you. Amen? It's a means to an end. The reason why you have good food, it's not because of the food. It's a means to an end. I want you to talk to one another, spend time with one another, get to know one another, get to know your problems, pray for one another. In fact, confess your sins to one another. If the maturity comes there, there's a point of your maturity in your relationship. And this is what we value in the church. We want to be authentic. We want to be friends. Because that's the only way we can obey this command. Right? We need to really, really know one another very well. How about today? That's going to be an exception, okay? I texted some of you. Ignore your close, your, your, your buddy buddies here in the church for now. Try to connect with the, our guests and, and, our, and the new people, the people that you didn't know. Of course, one of the things we also value as a church, the third one, is we train other believers. Listen to this command by Paul. I, I, this is one of the, my favorite verses as well. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust the faithful man who will be able to teach others also. We are commanded to train other people. This is not the pastor's job. I've been to churches in the past where, where, the, where all the members are like bosses or like managers. And the pastor is the only employee. And all the members are going to say, Pastor, do this. I remember saying, Pastor, do this. Pastor, you visit me. Pastor, you, you buy a new table. Pastor, you preach on Sunday. You know, Pastor, yeah, okay, okay, okay. It's not what church is. Listen to what Paul... Uh, okay, let's go. We're going to go back to, another, to that verse later on. We are called to minister, each of us. We are called to make disciples. And it's a command for each of us. I was so blessed this past week. Um, one of our members um, just got a baby, uh, just uh, gave birth, and she was just struggling. Uh, couple was struggling to some degree. I know they praise God that they are able to overcome. It's like many of you who's had a baby or child, you know, it's a, it's a challenge, especially if it's your first baby. But I praise God. I praise God this past week that, you know, usually you would expect the pastor to be there. To visit, which I try my best to do in some of you. But you know, when I was there, I was already the fifth 
fifth person, Rel and I were the fifth group to go to, to their house. You know, that's amazing. Uh, they didn't have to wait for the, fa you know, the church didn't have to wait for Pastoral to go there and visit. I was already the fifth, uh, there was somebody who visited Saturday, right? I don't want to mention names here. A Sunday, then somebody visited Monday, and three, right? There were three of you. You say yes? Yeah, three different groups. <laughs> and we came in Tuesday. Wow, praise God for that. Amen? Uh, you know, pastor doesn't have to do all the visitation. I don't need to anymore do visitation. Someone else is going to do it for me. So that's what Jesus expects of us as church. That we will all serve, all make disciples together. And this command, you know this already, the Great Commission, go and make disciples. This is what he values a church. But I want to focus on what making disciples mean. It means that we are to teach people to obey everything that he commanded us. That is training. That is training. Lastly, we are a church. I want the church, our church to be a church that makes disciples. And also, we want to be a church that serves others without, with our gifts. One of my favorite verses as well. And he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. So there's a pastor, there's the pastor there. Where's the pastor? Shepherds. That's, that's the pastor there. Okay, what's their purpose? To equip the saints for work of ministry. Who is supposed to do the work then? The saints. So my job is simply to train you so that you will do the work of ministry. And this is our vision as a church as well, that everyone is involved, everyone is in ministry. That is why we have different ministries. We're not perfect in doing this, but we want to be better more and more as a church, that everyone is involved in ministry. So this is what we desire as a church. Because when you begin to, when you come to know Christ as your Savior, when you begin to fellowship with a body of believers who, will love the Lord, who loves the Lord and loves one another, when you begin to grow in your knowledge of Christ through discipleship and obedience to Him, when you begin to serve one another and serve others uh, in the Lord, what will happen? We will attain the unity of the faith, unity as a church, knowledge of the Son of God. We will grow mature into the fullness of Christ in the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. We become mature and we become more and more like Christ individually and corporately as a church. And this is a simple vision. Very, I hope this is very clear to each of us. The gospel, fellowship, discipleship, and service. This is the main thing of our church in the past and this is still our main thing moving forward as a church. Amen? Past nine years, Nine years in the future, same thing. Even when we'll have a, build, a building like that, this is still the main thing. Share the gospel. Grow in fellowship. Loving God, loving one another. Training one another. Training through discipleship. And each one of us serving one another and serving others, whether within or outside the church. And in closing, this is my life verse. But not this, I would put it in the last part, the last portion. Let me go to 12. This is my life verse. I, I, I held on to this verse since I was, since, in high, since high school. Until now, this is still my life verse. And this is my encouragement to you. Not that I have attained, 
obtained all this or am already made perfect. I'm not perfect. We are not perfect. But what Christ wants us to do as Christians is to press on. To make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So we keep on moving forward. We keep on pressing on. We might have failures in the past. I might have failures in ministry. I didn't do well in this and that. You know what Jesus is saying? Press on. Press on. And believers, I do not consider myself to have made it my own. I'm not perfect, believers. But here's one thing I do. But one thing I do, I forget what lies behind, strain towards what is ahead. It's amazing, right? Very encouraging. God has given us this, this forward-thinking kind of mentality that he wants us to hold on to. Paul, in fact, is saying this is how we should think. I, I, you know, that movie, The Robinsons, keep on moving forward. I don't know if you watch it. Keep on moving forward. I think that's really it. Keep on moving forward. Straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on to the goal to win the, pri to the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, the calling is not, not just for me, but it's all, each of you also are called by God for a specific purpose. And if you're part of River Life, and if you desire to serve in a ministry, if God is leading you to a specific ministry, let me know. Because for me, we don't create ministry to put people. We, ministry begins with a burden that God puts in your heart. Al, I, I want to do this. Then that's where the ministry begins. Because I'm not, we're, not, we're not like putting positions here. I need an associate pastor. I'm going to put this person here. No, God is going to lead you to, to take on that position and follow that lead. Follow the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And this is what Paul also reminds us of. That when you, as a mature Christian, you need to think like this. If anything, if in anything you think otherwise, if you're not thinking like this, if you don't have this forward thinking mindset of straining towards ahead, forgetting whatever failures, whatever things happened in the past, or even the successes, just keep on moving forward towards Christ. If you're not thinking like that, God says here, Paul says here, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold on to what you have attained. Do not brag, do not be boastful about your past accomplishment. For River Life, message for River Life Church today is let's press on. Let's keep on pressing on. Amen? That building project is very difficult, but, but nothing is impossible with God. It's difficult from our eyes. God, nothing is impossible. Amen. Let's, let us pray um, close. Father God, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have reminded us that of who we are as a church. This has been our vision, our passion, oh God, our heart from the beginning, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you, uh, Lord, strengthen this even more, deepen this even more, Lord. That, Lord, we as a church, oh God, uh, Lord, we'll live this out, O oh God, daily, Lord, and we will be committed to the gospel. We will not be ashamed. We will not be afraid to share our gospel, the gospel, Lord God. And that we will know the gospel by heart, Lord. And Lord, we will, the gospel will permeate in our ministry, whether it's through the preaching of your word, in our life groups, in our Bible studies, in our conversations, O oh God. That, that we, that salvation only comes through Christ. And that through his death, we've been forgiven cleanse of our sins and Lord I pray that those who are here Lord each one here has already surrendered their life to, to you Lord if there's someone here who hasn't surrendered their life to you Lord I pray that you bring conviction of sin 
judgment and righteousness. Christ is calling you to come to Him. Come follow Him. I pray that that's a response of your heart. I pray also, Lord, that we will be committed to love one another the way Christ loves us. I pray, Lord God, that we will learn uh, to know what it means to love one another, what it takes, oh God. If it takes for us to spend time to, to do visitations, to hang out with one another, to encourage one another in every way. If someone has some struggle, we, we're there to counsel. If someone has difficulties, we were, we're, we're there to visit and to encourage. Lord God, help us to be courageous to do it without fear, without hesitation, oh God. Lord, I pray that we will be a church that is committed to the Great Commission, Lord. I know we're not yet there, Lord. There's still a lot of things we need to learn and do, Lord God. Lord, help us. This past nine years, oh God, we haven't done well, oh God, I confess, Lord, in the task of making disciples, oh God. Lord, forgive us, Lord. I pray that in the years ahead, we will grow in this ministry, Lord. Lord, my heart's desire is that everyone in the church, everyone in church is involved in, in training someone else, whether it's through our life, to our groups, I'm just going to call it all our groups, or through one-on-one -on -one Bible studies or discipleship set meetings, or through whatever circumstance, oh God, you're going to allow us, oh God, to mentor someone else. That's our passion, Lord, as a church, to make disciples. Because you commanded us to do it, Lord. Lord, I pray also that we will be, as you called us, O oh God, in your word, the body of Christ. That each of us in this church, O oh God, will find our place in the body, Lord. We'll be involved. We'll, we'll not, we're not just going to be on the sidelines, O oh God. We will all be involved in the game, Lord God. We are all taking positions in the game, O oh God. But in this case, O oh God, we are members of the body of Christ. Someone may be an eye, an ear, or a mouth. Someone may be a hand or a feet, O oh God. Lord, someone may be the heart, O oh God. Lord, I pray that each one will take on a ministry, O oh God, to serve you, Lord God, in this church, O oh God. Or how what, what wonderful day will be, oh God, that all of us are out there sharing our faith, sharing the gospel. All of us are involved in fellowship, loving one another. All of us, Lord, are involved in discipleship. All of us are serving, oh God. Wow, Lord God, this is an amazing, this is going to be amazing, Lord, because this is how the world is going to be turned upside down. You, know, you turn the world upside down, oh God, with just 12 disciples, oh God who are fully committed to you. We are more than 12 in this church, O oh God. can accomplish great things, O oh God, for you, Lord. But I pray that our church, River Life, will commit to these four things, O oh God, the main things, O oh God, of this church, the main things of every believer, Lord God. Lord, thank you, Lord, for reminding us of all these things. I pray that you engrave this in our heart today by your Holy Spirit. Glory be to you, Father. Glory to you, Lord Jesus, Son. All glory be to you, Holy Spirit. You are with us, in us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.